0: Probably all of us have known people that you just have to label them as unrealistic in their expectation of things. The kind of people that I have in mind are the kind of people who, that if something goes wrong, they just, they just seem like they're wiped out by it. They're just totally devastated. The, the car breaks down. And they just seem like they're beside themselves because the car breaks down. I want to tell you something about cars. Cars are going to break down from time to time. You might as well expect that reality. And i got to tell you, I'm not happy when my car breaks down. But I understand that it is a mechanical thing. The mechanical things are prone to break down. And they're not going to run forever. Did you think your car was going to run forever and you would never have to do any maintenance to it? That's just not realistic, is it? Probably you've known people who had some health issue come up in their life. And they just seem to be blown away by the fact that they're dealing with some health issue in their life. I will tell you we're not going to live for. Did you think you were going to live forever? Did you think you were never going to have any physical problem to deal with? That's not realistic. And so, and so when those... Now, again, I don't like to be sick. I really don't like to be sick. But you have to be realistic about that and understand that as time goes on, there's going to be sickness. There are going to be infirmities of age and so forth that creep in. you just got to be realistic, right? That's what we would tell those people. Well, I want to talk tonight about a situation that is just a part of living as a Christian. People of the world wouldn't know this, but as Christians, we understand that we are going to be persecuted and ridiculed by the people of the world. That's just that's just realistic. That's just inevitable. In fact, in Luke chapter 21, verse 17, Jesus said, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And so when that happens, and when we get mistreated by the people of this world, we should understand that goes with the territory. That's part of the equation. That's just going to happen. That's the very treatment that Jesus himself received. And he told us in Luke chapter or excuse me in John chapter 15 verse 18, Jesus said, "If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you." So we're not if we're following our master, we should not expect that our treatment by the world would be a whole lot different than his was if, in fact, we're following the Master faithfully. In Second Timothy 3, verse 12, Paul says simply, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so, as Christians, we should not just be totally devastated when the people of the world cast off on us, ridicule us, persecute us, It's to be expected. We just have to be realistic about that. That is part of what goes along with being a child of God and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all of that's hard. We haven't said that. We would also go on to say that doesn't make it any easier. That doesn't make it any more pleasant. The fact that it's a reality of living the Christian life, that we get persecuted, doesn't make it any easier. It's still a very hard thing to endure, but we must. But I want to tell you, as bad as that is, it's even worse when the mistreatment comes from someone who claims to love us, someone close to us. In fact, those closest to us, friends, family, our own brethren. When we receive that mistreatment from those sources, that's really hard to take. And that's what I want to talk with you about for a few minutes in our lesson this this evening. And we're simply going to call this Injured by a Friend. How do you react to that how do you react when it's not just the people the world who have come at you and done you wrong and offended you and hurt you in some way what do you do when the one who has done this hurt is someone who you're supposed to be close with a close friend a relative or in particular our brethren in the lord what we do when that occurs and how should we handle it when we are injured by a friend in this case I think it is a little harder to anticipate this reality. This is something we wouldn't necessarily expect to have. We wouldn't expect someone close to us to come at us, but it does happen. And we want to talk about what the Bible says about how we should handle that in our lesson tonight. we we'll stop here for just a minute to thank everybody for being here. Uh, we've had a good day, uh, a, a pleasant day, and, and a, a good way to end it, coming together uh, in, as brethren to worship God and study from His Word. We thank you all for being here, for being a part of that and having an interest in these kinds of things. So what do we do when we are injured by a friend? I want to use as our text for study tonight, Psalm 55, Psalm fifty-five, beginning at verse 12. David is the author and he says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him, but it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Now stop there for just a minute. We'll, we'll finish that uh, text in, in just a moment. Just want to make a, before we talk about how to deal with this, the first thing that I would like to point out is that this is a real problem. this is a real hurt. And, and I think we should all be warned. We should all be warned that because we are close to one another and because we know each other very well, we have the capacity to hurt those close to us more than anyone else. Uh, Cindy knows me better than anybody else does. She knows, she knows my, my really uh, unappreciable side. She knows the ugly parts. If she wanted to just let loose and rip me, she could she could tell things that would just really hurt. Uh, but that's the way we are, right? We, because we're close to people. We know them. We know them so closely. We know everything about them. And so when we're close to someone, if we wanted to, man, we could lay them low, right? And that's what David was talking about here. He He was really hurt by someone who was close to him who did him this wrong. And so just a very simple observation is, don't you be the one who does that don't you be the one who attacks a friend who 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 lays a hurt on someone who is close to you because you could you have the capacity you are in a position to really harm someone if you chose to do so we need to be really careful about how we relate to our friend. you know i think a lot of times we take our friends our brethren our family members we take one another for granted don't take one another for granted these are special relationships and you ought to do all you can to keep them whole and make them uh, make them positive and good because you have a real capacity if you chose to do so you have a real capacity to hurt someone in those close relationships don't do it Uh, that would be the first point notice how david describes this person he said uh he says it was thou he says, It was thou, a man, my equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counts together and walked into the house of God in company. David did not expect this to come from him. Uh, we, so you don't want to be that guy that David was describing there. You don't want to be the one who puts that hurt on someone else. And we all need to be careful about that. My second just simple observation from this text is that we should realize that when it happens to us, We're not the first person that ever had that happen, to be hurt by a friend, to be hurt by someone who's close to us. David, of course, as we said, is authoring this. David lived 3,000 years ago or thereabouts, uh, but even he wasn't the first one to ever be attacked by a friend. Uh, Go all the way back to Genesis and the, the very first conflict between people with Abel and Cain, and Cain killed Abel, and Talk about injured by a friend. I don't suppose you can be injured in a physical way. Any worse than that, his brother murdered him. It happens. It shouldn't happen. It absolutely should never happen, but it does happen, and it has happened. And if it's happened to you, then you're not the first one to have ever suffered that, understand that. I don't know if that helps a lot, but just know that it is a reality in life. Our own experience, I think, bears out that sadly these kind of things happen. My guess is that if we were to go around the room tonight, every one of us could relate some incident, incident that had happened in our life where we were hurt by someone that we were very close to. Now, I think it's, I mean, I, I, you think back about instances that even in our church relationships, maybe, maybe some place where you were and there was a lot of church problems in that congregation and you got really hurt by someone who was a brother in Christ, that's very hurtful. It's good that we enjoy a peaceful relationship at College View, and every one of us ought to work hard to maintain a peaceful relationship that we don't inflict these kind of hurts on others. But the reality is they do come about from time to time, and we just have to accept that that is a part of it. It's, it, it does happen. doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it pleasant. But if it happens and when it happens, you're not the first person who ever had it happen to you. So just in summary, be careful. Don't you be the one who injures a friend. If you are the injured one, know that you're not the first one who ever suffered that. It, it, it sadly is a part of living in this present world. Now, what do you do about that? How do you handle it? Well, let's get to that now. If, if this has occurred, what do you do about it? Well, the text here actually gives us an, a, a, a help, prayer and trusting God. Notice here this last part of the text, starting right here. David says, As for me, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. So David said the way he was going to approach this is that he was going to engage in frequent prayer about it. Throughout the day he was going to pray about this, and he had confidence that the Lord would hear his prayers. God knows every situation. And that ought to be helpful to us. He knows every situation perfectly. And that's really a good thing because a lot of times when we get into these conflicts, it, it, it just seems like we, we can't get maybe the other party to see things the way they really are. Uh, this person who has hurt us doesn't seem to even recognize the fact that they've done wrong or been wrong or, or continue in wrong. And, and you just feel like you're beating your head against the wall trying to get the point across. And, and and you feel like you're not making any progress there. Well, know that God knows the situation. He knows it perfectly, even if others don't. And all the promises that we have in the Word of God, and we, we're not going to go to them right now, but we have just so many promises in the Word of God about Him hearing and answering our prayers. And all of those kind of things ought to be a real comfort to us when we're dealing with that sort of situation. So David had been there Uh, he had suffered that kind of hurt, and he tells how he was going to approach it through praying and trusting God. Okay, what else would you add to that? If you were thinking about how you're going to deal with this kind of situation, what else do you do? Well, I think the word that has to come into this equation is that we have to forgive. We understand the very plain teaching in the Scriptures about the necessity of forgiveness. Uh, probably the very plainest statement of all is the one that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 at verse 15. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 15, "If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses." Well that's pretty straightforward, right? So we've got to forgive. Now, how to forgive? And we, I'm, I'm not going to launch off into a whole lesson about forgiveness. We've done that before. We've studied that subject very thoroughly. But I think a really important verse when it comes to the subject of forgiveness is the one that Logan read for us earlier from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all mouth and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we're to forgive one another like God has forgiven us. That's a high standard. Boy, I'm telling you, that's, That's putting the bar up way high. Forgive like God forgives. Well, we've studied before, and we know some of the aspects of God's forgiveness. We know that He's absolutely willing to forgive. He wouldn't have to. We don't deserve it. But God has been very willing to forgive. In fact, I I think we can use the terminology that God is anxious to forgive us. God wants to forgive us. So He makes forgiveness possible. In fact, would you agree with me that in regards to how God forgives, He makes it easy for us to come to Him and seek and obtain His forgiveness? He hasn't made it so hard. Uh, okay, you want to be forgiven. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to go out and kill a hundred lions. You kill a hundred lions, I'll forgive you, God says. No, he didn't, he didn't make it that way. He, he, he made forgiveness possible. He was willing to forgive us. He actually made it easy for us to seek and obtain forgiveness. He's anxious to forgive us. But we have to point out that God forgives conditionally. God doesn't forgive until we repent, right? Except you repent. You shall all likewise perish, as Jesus taught. Uh, And that sort of standard is given to us as a rule for our forgiveness, too. Uh, In Luke 17, verse 3, take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Now, we've, we've talked about that a good bit. Uh, I, I really think it's a very clear principle of forgiveness. In fact, I'm willing to argue that you... I don't think you can technically forgive someone until they do repent. Now, you can be willing to forgive, you can be anxious to forgive, you can make it easy for them to seek forgiveness, but until they repent... I don't know that, they, that you actually can forgive in the technical sense of the word. Forgiveness is a pretty deep subject. But, but we're to forgive. We're to forgive as God forgives. We're to be a forgiving people. We have a forgiving spirit about us. We need to be willing to forgive, make it easy for the person to come to us and seek our forgiveness. Uh, but uh, certainly the Scriptures teach that forgiveness is a conditional thing, but we need to be a forgiving people. Can so we say it any simpler than that? We need to be a forgiving people so we're going to approach it that way we're going to approach this hurt this guy hurt me. hey man he was close to me we were best of friends and he stabbed me in the back man he stabbed me in the back what am i going to do about that i'm going to pray i'm going to trust god who knows all things perfectly i'm going to forgive i'm going to i'm going to put forgiveness out there i'm not going to withhold the opportunity of forgiveness from this one who has wronged me in fact i would suggest that we ought to even go the extra mile. That guy, that guy did me wrong. I'm going to tell you, he did me so wrong. It just You just can't imagine. If I were to tell you the details of what that guy did to me, you'd be shocked to know what he and, and And I'll forgive him, but, buddy, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to sit back over here, and I'm going to wait for him to come crawling to me to seek my forgiveness. I'm No, that's all wrong, isn't it? In fact, I'm supposed to go to this person. Uh, I'm going to. I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to initiate. I'm, I can't lay back and wait. I I, I initiate. Uh, I pursue reconciliation. In Matthew chapter 18, at verse 15, Jesus said, "If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother." And so. This suggests not laying back and waiting, but being proactive in, in an attempt to resolve the problem. You know that expression, "Go the extra mile." we use that expression. I really think that that, was, that, that expression came, came about by virtue of something that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five, verse 38, ye have heard that it has been said, "An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth." But I say to you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn unto him the other also. And if a man sue thee at law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. There's the extra mile. Um, Jesus says go the extra mile. I think in our human nature, our, our reaction is, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to do that. He's the guy who did something wrong. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to go the extra mile. No, go the extra mile is what Jesus taught. Uh, And so we do that. Uh, In in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul encouraged the Corinthians to actually suffer the wrong, uh, you know, instead of making an issue of it. Uh, He said, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 6, Brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is an utter, utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? And so, uh, we, should, we should have that attitude. I, it, what, it doesn't matter about me. If this person will do the right thing and be right with God, I'll just go that extra mile, and I'll suffer the wrong if it comes to that. Um, So, pray, trust God, forgive, go the extra mile. But there's a point about this that I think has to be emphasized. And that is that even when forgiveness takes place, that doesn't necessarily remove all the consequences that result. So, I wronged my brother. I went after him. I shouldn't have done this. I, I shouldn't have... I was just flat-out wrong, and I attacked my brother unrighteously, he's come to me and he's rebuked me. Now I, I say, okay, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. What do I, well, I, 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 if I seek forgiveness, if I repent, uh, then, then forgiveness should follow. But we understand that forgiveness doesn't always remove the consequences of the wrong. So I stabbed my brother in the back And I sought his forgiveness, but there's a very high possibility that it's never going to be the same between me and that brother because I did him so wrong. He's forgiven me, but it's not the same, and, and, and it's unrealistic to imagine that it would be the same. Think of some examples. Here's a man, and he's abusive to his wife and children. For years, he's been negligent and mean. But finally, he comes to himself, and he, he, he repents, and he asks them to forgive him, his wife and his children. They forgive him. He asks for the forgiveness. They forgive him. But I want to tell you, it's just unrealistic to imagine that that family will ever be rid of the terrible scars that have been inflicted by his years of abuse. He's forgiven. He's forgiven by his family. He's forgiven by God. But... His actions have changed things forever. It will never be like it would have been had he been a loving father and husband all along. You see what I mean? Forgiveness doesn't wipe out those consequences. Or maybe think of a man who cheats on his wife. So he cheats on his wife. But thankfully he realizes how horribly he has sinned against her and God and he goes uh, to beg for forgiveness and he's granted forgiveness. Both God and his wife forgive him. But things are not like they were before he made those horrible, wicked choices that he made. And in fact, maybe his wife decides to even go ahead and forgive her, which I think would be her rightful choice, even though she's forgiven him. She may still divorce him. He's forgiven, but he's forced then to live alone for the rest of his life. He's forgiven, but the consequences are not gone. Or maybe the classic example would be a fellow who... In a moment of uncontrolled rage, he strikes out against another man. Uh, The blow inflicts a mortal wound. His victim dies. He's arrested. He's convicted. He's sentenced to be executed for murder. In the interim, he mourns. He seeks forgiveness. Can he be forgiven of murder? Sure, he can be forgiven of murder. But I'll tell you, he still has to suffer the consequence of his crime. Even though he's forgiven, it doesn't mean that there still won't be consequences for what he has done. And so, uh, forgiveness does not remove consequences. And I would link this back up here to the first point. That's why we need to be so careful. That's why we need to be so careful in our interpersonal relationships in family and friends, in brethren, in in our working together in the kingdom of God, be careful. Because if we do something that inflicts this gross harm on a brother, on a friend, we can be forgiven, but it won't ever be like it would have been had it never happened. And so that being the case, man, be careful. Be really careful nurture these relationships that we have together. Uh, Don't let this happen. At least for your part, make sure it never happens. Make sure you never injure a friend. I think that's a, a, a very important lesson here. Finally, let me stress that in these kinds of situations, we have to avoid bitterness. We have to avoid bitterness. We have to avoid vengeance or trying to get even Um, back one more time to that text that logan read in ephesians chapter 4 in ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice bitterness is a sin and, and we can't afford to allow bitterness to reign in our hearts we've got to get rid of bitterness and you know, bitterness sometimes causes us to want to get even. I'm bitter about what that guy did to me. And given a chance to do so, I'm going to make him pay for it. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't have that bitterness in my heart. And I certainly can't seek the uh, revenge. Back to Jesus again in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 43. Matthew 5, 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Notice, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good and send his reign on the just and the unjust. Oh, wait a minute. If I'm good to this person who did me wrong, if I refuse bitterness and vengeance against the one who did me wrong, I'm being like God because we have all wronged God, right? We have all done that horrible hurt to God by sins that we have committed, and yet he he blesses us. And Jesus is saying there that if we can bring ourselves to do good to the one who did bad to us, then we are imitating our Father in heaven. We're being like God himself, and that's what we ought to do. A very plain statement about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," saith the Lord. I think that last expression we have to take take uh, some measure of it. Vengeance is mine; I will repay. So this guy, this guy who has done me so wrong, he doesn't make it right. And, and in fact, despite all the efforts that we've made and we've su- and we suggested su- suggested some things here that that our obligation's on our part as we seek to make these relationships right. He will not. He just simply will not. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. The Lord's going to bring justice ultimately. We can have confidence in that. I don't have to be worried that that guy's never going to pay the price for the wrong he did me. He did me wrong and he won't repent. Uh, well, if that's the case, and we sure hope that that's not the case, but if that's the case, God will, God will uh, apply justice in that matter we can have full confidence in that. So, injured by a friend, it happens. Sadly, it happens. But I think the Scriptures give us guidance about how to handle that like it tells us how to handle all things. Uh, it's not an easy thing when it occurs. Uh, it's, it's very difficult. But with prayer and with God's help, I think we can work through those things uh, and, and be the people He wants us to be. Thanks for your good attention what we've had to say. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song of invitation, think about yourself. Think about your relationship with God. Make sure it's right. If there's something that you need help with, something that we can pray to God with you and for you about, let us know that. We'd be glad to do so. If you're not yet a Christian but you've understood the simple plan of salvation and you desire to obey it, let us know. We'd be glad to assist in your obedience. If we can help in any way, please come while we stand and sing.